Hello and welcome. You're listening to Connected and Ready, an ongoing conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed, brought to you by Microsoft. I'm Gemma Milne. I'm a technology journalist and author, and I'm going to be exploring trends around how companies are adapting to a disrupted world and preparing for tomorrow. We're going to speak to the innovators who are bringing products, operations and people together in new ways. In today's episode, I'm chatting to Sham Sunda, Vice President of Global Sales and Business Development at PIQ, to hear all about his perspective on the growing trend of super apps and the impact it has on service and customer experience. We'll also gain an insight into how PIQ bundles ticketing, validation and payments into an all-in-one solution to help create smart cities while ensuring the highest levels of security. Before we start, I want to thank all of you listeners out there. If you have a topic or a person you'd love to hear on the show, please send us an email at connectedandready at microsoft.com. We're so thankful for you all. Now, on with the episode. Sham, thank you so much for coming and joining us on the show. Let's start with a little introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what your role is, and a little bit about your experience. Thank you, Gemma. I onboarded in PayIQ about... um, 20 months ago, and it's been a pretty hectic journey. I was previously doing some advisory roles. It began in, in New Jersey after finishing my New Hampshire postgrad. I think you guys should have heard of this company called Netiphone. And Netiphone was on the early startups way back in 1990s and 80s for AT&T that went into selling calling cards in many, many you know emerging markets. You guys must have heard of Maven and Cruise. So SFO has a lot of those companies. I was part of one of them in the early stages. We were then looking at just selling it across to other car automotive OEMs back then. And then um, there was some time where I did some study where I went into research for mobility and payments. And that's when a lot of things related to mass and ticketing started coming into the whole focus. Um, and then PayIQ happened a little late of 2019. I was in Japan then solving some mass issues for a project that was expected to release for the Olympics. And then, you know, certain conversations with several ticketing players led me to talk to PayIQ co-founders as well, Tuomo and Essa. And, you know, we hit the right sweet spot in terms of what we do together. And one thing led to another, and I belong to the PayIQ family right now. I manage some of the product stuff. I manage some of the GTM functions over here and how the product behaves in the market, what we do in the market. How do we revolutionize from where we are today and what's the roadmap and strategy? So I handle a couple of things here, you know, being a part of the senior leadership. Amazing. Well, we're going to be talking a lot about what you're up to at PIQ. But before we get into that, let's maybe zoom out a little bit. You know, over the last decade, we've seen app development and, you know, the diversity of the use cases um, absolutely skyrocket. Can you talk to us a little bit about how mobile applications have become an integral touch point for customers and kind of all kinds of providers? It's a nice question to ask, actually. You know, if you look at universally, most of the developments across the world, the piggyback on a platform or an ecosystem. If you look at 10 years ago, the Android and all things Android, you see how the Android and the iOS completely decimated. There's not a third OS layer in the phones right now. 
So these ecosystems are there in some form or the other for decades, right? So for example, way back in the 90s, you had something called servers and, you know, large data machines. And now in the 20, from 2010 onwards, everybody's talking about cloud infrastructure. So the synonymous topic of servers, you know, is moved to the cloud. So it's like constantly changing as per generations names. However, all the businesses the last mile always started with some kind of a phone. A regular touch phone way back uh, in the past was used for customer background checks or KYC. Later, when the mobile platform started seeing innovations in hardware, these KYC started becoming value addition software apps that enhance user experience for a given service. So there have been a lot of old cases that became a new case just because of the revolution in the mobile hardware and mobile software side. So technically, you look at a KYC, you know, know your customer tool, right? So it allows you to validate anybody in a particular geography or a country. Like, for example, the United States, the Germany, the Finlands of the world, the Sweden, the more highly developed countries of the world had a fantastic, robust social security system. So having that on an application, having that access, having to know, do the KYC very fast, let the banking world do account-based payments. The same way the ticketing world was able to bring about several methods to way to deliver economical tickets. Well, the banking saw economical banking tools to end users, the same way the ticketing became economical ticketing medium on the phone. So if you come to Europe, you will see that a lot of conventional banks have shut their branches and they have completely a mobile ecosystem right now for their customers that helps them through the phone biometrics. So as the hardware evolved and the software evolved on the phone ecosystem, things started evolving. The same way in the transit sector, uh, the mobile world is a huge boon. Um, let's move a little bit on to super apps because this is going to be the main sort of topic of discussion today. Um, first of all, what are they um, and why are they a growing trend? Tell us a little bit about the sort of potential that businesses can unlock, you know, to create better experiences in deploying super apps. That's a nice question, actually, because the world is moving through super apps, right? You You are constantly engaging in a super app, say, for example, the PayPal, the Kareem in UAE, the Grabs of the world, the Ubers, you know, these all are in some way the other super app. But the hijacking point of super app has started happening with the revolution of the fintechs, right? So you look at the fintech apps world over, you know, they're basically challenging banks and, you know, they want to bring about everything to your doorstep, to your hand, like like what WeChat did in China, the Yandex in, in Russia and you know, so on and so forth. But the super apps, you know, basically digital front doors. And what they do is they create a leader marketplace of services and offerings. It could be their in-house technology or they could add a lot of third parties. So in transit space, we call that as all-in-one. So let me give you a small snapshot. You take a modern city. You come into the city and you want to access and pay for everything. Uh, you know, you want to ride hail. You want to commute in the metro. You want to eat in a bistro. You know, you, you want to pay for that. 
you know, you want to go for some events, you know. So all this in one app, just for the city and by the city, right? So we called it in Europe a City Access Initiative. And City Access Initiative is, is pretty pretty big that's coming up right now. And for all-in-one, it's about the whole city administration having one app for, for the locals or for the tourists, whoever walks into that city, gets access to everything and is able to use the existing payment methods to complete the transaction or purchases. So it's like a cashless society uh, where you're able to access, you're able to pay, you're able to do all your work in one go. Building on this idea of all-in-one, I'm curious about how you guys think about the potential issues with consolidation of services, particularly when you're talking about an entire city. I'm thinking about the recent incident at Facebook, where Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp all went down. You know, it's a consolidated system, right? One issue and suddenly nobody can access anything at all. What does that look like if you're suddenly saying, let's put all city services in one place um, what happens when there's an issue well there are two sides of the same coin when you look at it right so on one side whether it's a b2b or a b2c angle when when you look at the b2b angle you know most of these issues are ironed out with your dlp strategy basically for example in PayIQ, what we do is we we have an external dlp strategy and an internal dlp strategy where in the internal, there is a software compliance and typical SaaS organization model, which is managed by cloud partners, such as you know, you know, Azure. In our existing DLP strategies, it's pretty robust, especially in you know, transit ticketing and payments. Every opportunity has a test bed, and these test beds have issues and experience shared by operators in the existing environments. Could be anything. It could be any kind of hacking stuff or. You know, it could be any kind of irritation, which is bad to the servers and bad to the whole network. So we have certain parameters and certain of our IPs, as we call it an anti-fraud engine. For example, in a, in a PayIQ platform, you cannot uh, take a picture of the ticket. Uh, there's something called velocity checking, uh, where the location and the login of the ticket is registered. So, it, you know, it doesn't allow any suspicious behavior. You can't share the ticket to anybody in that model. And then we have pre-configured safety rules on every ticket purchase. So, and then we do have some behavior analysis, certain big data analysis where we check the customer's history to define the risk level of each transaction that they're going through. And then there's something called the anti-passbook, which is a highly configurable ticket usability options by setting minimum times for ticket reuse. So, you know, for example, you get a two-hour ticket, you know, uh, in certain cities where our partners and our operators want to engage. You know, so we want to have a ticket that's valid for two hours. We want to have a ticket that's valid for three hours. So you have a day ticket, you have a half-day ticket. You know, you have various fair product that matches with the anti-fraud engine and it's designed that way to provide to the operators. Of course, the last one is the no-scan code. You know, you, any captured QR code will never work. So that's something like that. So that's that's where we are. So, uh, of course, from an organization perspective, talking about, you know, outages, getting back, we do have a redundancy 
you know planning in place that you know if we have few servers down say in Estonia uh, we are working fine in Sweden we have some planning and redundancy in the market so that our customers are safe and secure Dynamics 365 is helping businesses of all sizes unify their data and create a digital first culture with next generation ERP and CRM business applications. Employees at every level can reason over data, predict trends and make proactive more informed decisions. Request a live demo of Dynamics 365 today by following the link in the episode description. Let's get into some of the specifics about PIQ. What is it that makes PIQ software unique? You know, like, I mean, how does your system work together to ensure efficient and effective operation? And what information is leveraged from, from end to end? I wonder if you could maybe also share some real world examples of the short and long term impacts of PIQ once it's deployed. So PIQ is a new age ticketing as a service organization. Uh, our core products deliver the most economical ticket in the world on the mobile phone, providing an excellent platform for the operators to engage with the riders and deliver the least ticket expensive to their community. So in a nutshell, the ticketing as a service we call it a SAS. It's a trademark registered for PayIQ, by the way. So look, visually, you have to look at it as a two parts of the brain. So you have a left brain and the right brain, right? So the left brain is like a front-ending application. So it's moderated for both B2B and B2C initiatives. Well, the right brain is the core. It's the kind of the cloud infra, the plugins that can be easily integrated for the purpose of the program and the requirements as per what the operators tell. So what you see on the phone is just the application, the picture-perfect UI and, and the user experience. Nothing stays on the phone environment. There's not a single data of the user or the user's credit card details or the user's you know, purchasing. All the activities happen on the server side, on the cloud side, based on the plugins or features list for a service or an engagement. So whatever happens, happens for us on the cloud side. We have an infrastructure that is purely cloud-driven, and it's fast. It's pretty fast. So uh, just like you know, like in today's scenario, APIs are the new back office. Essentially, the whole discussion around the APIs is to create a framed organization in a commercially viable and technically feasible so that's the right way to put it. Amazing. Let's talk a little bit about masks. You've talked about TAS being ticketed as a service, and mass obviously being mobility as a service and something that a lot of people are very interested in nowadays and other of these kind of emerging trends. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about how PIQ sort of tapping into the growth and the potential of this sort of phenomenon. I mean, what does it mean for smart cities and end users, you know, if you zoom out and kind of paint us a picture or a vision of what, what mass can look like um, as we move forward? You know, mass is no joke. It's a very expensive game, delivering an experience and a multi-model journey planning together. Look at yourself. You sit in a room, you want to travel. You say you don't have a car and, you know, you open a mass app, some mass app, and you say you want to go from point A to point B. And then the app delivers you to your next ride. But then the ride could be some third-party vendor who's not Uber, who's not Lyft, but somebody else. And then he takes you to 
a point B and then on point B you need to get down and take a metro to go to your point C. Now, look at it from the back end. That's an integration, right? I need to have something called TSPs. They're called as transport service providers. I need to look for transport service providers to give me the right fleet, give me fleet availability in that market. We have launched the app. I need not have one, but three different TSPs. And, you know, it's an amazing experience that somebody would manage all your rights, but it's very difficult in the back end to get everything synchronized and orchestrated. So, of course, there are several mass models and experiences associated with them. You have something called lightweight mass, city model, which PayIQ is working on right now, and the heavyweight that is international roaming and then the subscription and so on and so forth, right? So, of course... Mass is an expensive super app because from a B2C app, you, you know, you finalize commercials and legal and business wholesale across several TSPs and you showcase all the available inventory real time. For example, you know, when you open a mass app, you can see where your real time, your vehicle, the vehicles that are going to serve you are available. For example, you want a bike and, and a bike should be there around your corner so that you can see it, so you can go unlock it and go about it. Just briefly, I wonder if we could build on this kind of broader, I guess, exploration of mass. And just tell me a little bit about where IoT comes into this and how, you know, merging these two acronyms, shall we say, is, is, is I guess, the vision of unlocking the connected city, shall we say? Yeah, the connected city is, is a fantastic initiative. The only thing is that every party in that city is actually going to lie to the other party in that city, you know, that I'll be ready by so-and-so time, will you be ready by so-and-so time, <laughs> right? But but the IoT topic and the overall IoT is, it needs another separate podcast altogether, but I'll, I'll make it very short and sweet over here. So we do have an excellent cloud because we're a SaaS organization. Obviously, we've invested a lot of R&D in how we run and do a plug-and-play model on the cloud so that we're communicating with the riders and the bus and the metro. Now, when you look at what happens in the back is a collection of a huge big data, right? Right from the kind of OS that you have for the app. For example, whether you're on whether you're on an iOS phone or an Android phone and from where to where you are you going and what payment method you use to buy the ticket. And did you move from a high traffic zone to a low traffic zone? You know, all kinds of those things. So so that big data spreadsheet is available for the operator or the authority to see that these many riders went from here to here, there to there, right? So, so there's a booklet, a huge booklet of tools available, and, and that's the core subject. Now, you look at this from three different or four different angles. There is an autonomous on-demand mobility available for your city, and they want to serve, and they go say, you know, you know we want to be part of this ecosystem. Uh, we want to you provide our services to your riders. Here's the API. So the next day morning, you on the phone, you get to see that there's a new service available that has two options. One is on-demand, and the second is join the gang. So on-demand is you're the only rider. Join the gang is, you know, you pull in the ride. So basically, there's a so-called fleet that's going from... Uh, in LA to downtown, and you know you can boat that in these stops. So when you're there, it recognizes you already reached, and 
the autonomous vehicle picks you up, it takes you to the location and you get off. So it's basically what is happening is that, you know, I, I spoke to you about the booklet of tools, the big data, right? The second is this, the digital twin experience in the cloud can actually send data to the autonomous shuttle around. And if the previous shuttle is delayed, you have another shuttle that picks you up. So you are anyway provided with a service, whether it's on demand or pooled. But then both is synchronization and orchestration happening at the same time. So the second most uh, important is within the whole product, there is an element called the flexible infrastructure platform. For example, if I were to do parking, ticketing, and toll, I saw the intermediaries to connect with the infra-based IoT environments, and and that's an that's another leap uh, for the whole you know service provider to give that service. So creating that into our product is is what we believe will be the next uh, transformation for us. But however, looking at what mobility and IoT will bring to the table and what we we do in that table is something that what I just explained to you. Let's um, come to a close by focusing a little bit. We've talked a lot about the future. Let's talk a little bit about the present or our recent history. We've got quite far without mentioning um, COVID-19, but let's dive into it now. I mean, how is you know, these smart ticketing platforms been helping public transport bodies, you know, navigate during this crisis? Has it had a particularly interesting role that's worth mentioning, obviously then informing what the future looks like for these kind of platforms? It's a pretty in-depth story there, right? What does smart ticketing mean, right? For example, all of your tickets on your phone. How does that happen? Like, you know, you have a phone, you have the application, and then you, you can travel anywhere in your city, anytime, be it a bus, be it a metro, or a shared car, right? So, however, the, the underlying cost of having a ticket in conventional forms is an expensive line item for both CAPEX and OPEX in a particular book of accounts for an operator. So conventionally, the ticket issuing and the ticket authorization is an expensive game for the operators. And that's where smart ticketing or the hybrid ticketing models came in. And they helped the operators to grow over from the CAPEX models and OPEX models. So both the cost of transportation and the cost of good has become much higher. So the experience becomes very, very, very expensive. And due to this, there's a ridership drop. And the chain continues, right? The whole cost chain keeps continuing across the board, across various options that you see. So how does a city solve this? How does a city like SFO or Seattle or Chicago solve this problem when there is huge cost of getting the drivers or getting something for you to move around the city? So obviously, you know, PIQ can, cannot solve this problem. They cannot solve this problem. The city can solve this problem. And this is where rider and commuter and operator information and preparedness comes into action. And this is where we are trying to promote the PIQ city access initiatives, wherein we could build a holistic ecosystem into a product that delivers much of the necessary big data needed to take action. If each of these organizations that are there in the public transport domain 
are able to understand what it takes to give an experience and what does it take to deliver that experience, then you know that right synchronization and that right element starts coming into the whole organization. So these kind of things get managed better. Recently, I was told that in some of the airports in the U.S., technically there are no rental cars available. And in the second-hand market, because of chip shortages, the second-hand market has, has just skyrocketed overnight. And the impact is you're also seeing that a lot of people finding the rides very expensive. And so they're using the scooters to do the commute, the short-distance commute, like a three-mile commute, four-mile commute on scooters. And you see that Already, the struggling public transport organizations there, they don't have riders for two reasons. One is because there are less riders coming to the city and there are less drivers that they have in their kitty to run the buses. So all this cycle, it means that there is no preparedness or there is no a particular instrument for them to gauge the preparedness. But this is where we want to get in and have a certain solution in place that allows not just the riders, but also the operators and also the city infra to get the required information that they want. It comes back to, I guess, one of the central themes that we talk about a lot on the show, which is about resilience, right? It's about being able to not just build platforms, but have a different mindset and a different approach to creating solutions with this idea of resilience or, as you say, preparedness in tow. Um, Basham, we've come to the end, would you believe, of our discussion. Um, this has been absolutely fascinating. We've touched so much on these kind of broader themes of mass and connected cities and, and smart transport, but also hearing a lot more about PayIQ has been really fascinating and it's exciting to hear about what your sort of vision and next steps for the company are. So, Sham, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with us today. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast and it's been an interesting journey with you the last 30 minutes and it's fantastic to get your questions. I hope that these questions and answers serve the significant importance that water brings forward to. Thank you so much. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can find out more about Sham's work and indeed some of the broader themes we discussed today in the show notes. If you enjoyed the episode, please do take a few moments to rate and review the podcast. It really helps other people discover the show. And don't forget to hit subscribe and tune in next time to continue our conversation about innovation, resilience and our capacity to succeed. Dynamics 365 delivers next-generation ERP and CRM business applications, helping employees at every level reason over data, predict trends, and make proactive, more informed decisions. Request a live demo of Dynamics 365 today by following the link in the episode description.